and I can have my Tyora and eat it too. Welcome to episode 4 of Prodigious, your weekly over-analytical tour through the Digimon multiverse. I'm Jeff Ruberg, and I'm joined by Ashley McDonald. Hi. And Asher Softman. Hey. First off, we have some feedback and corrections about episode 2. So, at one point, Jeff stated that he didn't know how the introductions in Digimon episode 1 could have been different without Ty introducing all of the characters. Um, but, if, in fact, in Japanese, there's just a omniscient narrator... Which makes a lot of sense, and Jeff is just silly. <laughs> yeah, and the narrator just says the kids' names. Yeah, but I guess that's a thing in the whole Japanese version that is in the dub, so whatever. Um, we also, in episode two, talked about how whether the eighth bed in Devonmon's mansion was a foreshadowing for Kari's existence, and we, I guess, jumped to the conclusion that Kari existed in the movie, which was made before Adventure. And so that meant that they had to know that she was going to be any digidestined by that point. And that's, we we jumped over some logic there. Um, so it's clear that Kari exists as a character from the beginning, but, but the consensus in the community is that while they were writing the movie, they did not know that she was going to be a digidestined at that point. And that later in the production of the series, they decided to make her a digidestined and... But it's unclear to us at what point between the movie and the episode Home Away From Home, where they make it really obvious that she's going to be a Digidestined, that they decided to actually make her a Digidestined. We also talked about Digimon dying in the real world and if they were reborn, if that happened. And I think we concluded that it was a little strange uh, or inconsistent. And it turns out that it is pretty consistent. And the two examples we have from Adventure are Wizardmon and Myotismon, and both of them come back in Adventure Zero Two as ghosts. Uh, Wizardmon is as a direct ghost that just stalks them, and Myotismon as a ghost that possesses someone and then goes crazy. But they both do come back as ghosts. Uh, and the most important part of this feedback is that at one point we, in our ridiculous dialogue draft, there was a line that Palmon said that we didn't understand. Um, so we thought that she was saying Gustav or Ostaf or something, and it turns out she was saying Ostaf, which is completely reasonable. <laughs> and, and that makes way too much sense. So much sense. It's not funny anymore. <laughs> yeah, and all those pieces of feedback came, by the way, of Blue Lightning on With the Will Forms. Yeah, and if you have any feedback about this episode, you can send it to us directly our email account, podigis at gmail.com. Or if you want to just ha- engage in general discussion, you can talk to us on With the Will or Reddit. And by us, he means Jeff. All right, now back to the real show. This week, we're covering the Edamon arc, so here's a quick recap of these episodes. We pick up directly after the fight with Devamon. In episode 14, Departure for a New Continent, the kids set sail for the continent of Server and befriend Waymon. They find their tags in an underground convenience store after defeating a Dromojimon in an inappropriate, inappropriately suggestive wrestling match. In episode 15, the dark network of Edamon, the kids stay in a village of Pagumon and are completely oblivious of their sketchiness until they kidnap Tokumon. After they rescue him, they are trapped by Edamon until the writers give up and give Taya's crest and a magical teleportation cape. In episode 16, the arrival of Skull Greymon, the kids find a coliseum designed to trigger soccer flashbacks. Edamon sends an evil Greymon to attack them, and Tyre peer pressures Agumon to take evil bone growth hormones. In episode 17, the crest of sincerity, the kids talk to Jedi, who tells them to stop being so crappy to their Digimon. 
Then they find a cruise ship and, having learned nothing from the Devimon arc, proceed to let their guard down until they're petrified and captured by Cockatremon. Mimi and Sora save everyone, and then they steer the ship into a giant cactus. In episode 18, the Piximon cometh, the kids are attacked by a Koagumon, and Tai and Agumon are scared to fight back. They're saved by Piximon, who cons everyone into watching his house. He sends Tai into another magical cave where Tai time travels to teach his younger self what a metaphor is and how to ride a bike. In episode 19, The Prisoner of the Pyramid, the kids meet another creepy old man over the internet. The writers decide to rename this arc the Magical Cave Arc, and Izzy finally reveals information he discovered 14 episodes ago, but has the worst timing about it. The kids rescue Datamon, but then he captures Sora, and Izzy remembers the Teltai he's mortal to stop him from saving her. In episode 20, The Earthquake of Metal Greymon, the kids regroup to rescue Sora, who's busy being replicated by prisoner-turned-bond villain Datamon. Edamon destroys Datamon and merges with his black hole of tangled headphone cords, and Tai's courage activates Greymon's digivolution to Metal Greymon. Metal Greymon defeats Edamon and triggers an implosion that sucks Tai and Metal Greymon back to Tokyo. Dun-dun! Oh no, what's gonna happen next? We don't know. I really don't know. Really? <laughs> <laughs> you really don't remember? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that's, that's, that's next week. Anyway, so I wanted to talk about the uh, like overall structure of this arc and uh, I guess what it's trying to achieve and what it does. A couple things off the bat, though. I tried to find if there were any obvious references in the titles, um, and I could. most of the titles are kind of unimportant, aside from the Piximon Cometh is apparently a reference to the Iceman Cometh, which is a Broadway play from okay. the middle of the century. <laughs> um, huh. There's an episode of Tamers, the one with Ice Devimon, is called the Icemon Cometh. Of course it is. They're reusing that. They're like, we already use this, this reference, but let's do it better this time. They're like, we only know one literary reference. <laughs> <laughs> That's not true. That's I, the the not reason I want to do this each week is because I remember, like, the episode with Apocalypse is called Now Apocalypse, and it's like, oh, that's a reference to Apocalypse Now. It's- isn't it called Apocalymon now? Is it called now Apocalymon? Yeah, it's like they mixed it up for, on purpose. I don't know. <laughs> That's so dumb. Like, I, I don't know. Because I don't, in Japanese, I don't think it's a reference, but I don't. So, I, yeah, I think, so obviously the point of this arc is to have the kids find their ta- their crests. Um, they find the tags pretty easily in the first episode, and then the rest of the arc is them finding their crests. But it's the first time we've had, well, I guess Adam, or Devamon appeared in every episode in the last arc. Um, after he was introduced. But it's interesting, I find, I think it's interesting how Edamon is constantly present in these episodes, even though he, most episodes he doesn't actually appear directly. Like, they always show what he's doing at the same time, and you get a sense that there's this constant villain. Um, even though he's... I, I think they're kind of... The writer couldn't really decide if he's actually a, a huge threat or if he's comical. I mean, I guess he's both, but... He could be both, yeah. Yeah, but it's also like he's the first ultimate they ever defeat, so I couldn't decide if he was supposed to be super strong or... You know, like one of the crappiest ultimates. They haven't discussed <laughs> champions ultimates levels at all, really. I guess they have loosely, no, they but they have they haven't defined the fact that he was an ultimate. No, they haven't. Right. Right. Yeah, I, I find it interesting this arc is like, even though it's about everyone finding their crests, it's really a lot about Ty. Um, it is. Like Ty has a lot of that jerk. Uh, <laughs> it's, uh, like he, he has very little character growth in the, f- the first two arcs we watched and then this one has like so much of it so he starts off there's the episode with Skull Greymon um, which he has one I guess, step of the roller coaster or bump of the roller coaster then he goes back down to being calm and then there's the episode with Piximon where he you know learns to not be so depressed about it and then there's then he's back to being really confident and then he's not confident again once he can't rescue Sora it's like he uses his girl yeah. 
but that, that's three separate humps, right? That it's strange in seven episodes he has so much development, and basically, does anyone else? Yeah, I agree. Um, I think that each change in confidence is something different, though. Oh yeah, yeah. It's it's not the same thing repeated over and over. It's like yeah. a different situation each time, which is interesting. I just find it yeah. strange that it's all on tie. It felt kind of repetitive because I'm like, can't you just learn to not be overconfident and then like find a comfortable middle tie? Apparently he can't learn that unless he learns it like three times until it sticks. <laughs> <laughs> it, did you actually feel that? I, I, feel like I did. I, I feel like I didn't, if I didn't look at these episodes really critically like we're doing for this podcast, I would just like, go with the flow. It didn't seem that odd to me. It's only when I actually sat down and was like, what happened in these episodes? No. Oh, it's always about Ty. I noticed it. Is there something wrong with me that I just accepted that without questioning it before? I thought definitely like uh, the episode where Ty is like, I can just walk into stuff because we're not real. It was really <sighs> dumb because they had just talked about how it had repercussions on themselves in yeah, the real world. Like, okay, okay. <laughs> the one problem with that is is he only told Sora. No, 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 no. So, so, so they actually, and maybe we'll get into this later. But I mean, he, he, when he first tells everyone, he says, "We are digital shadows of ourselves. If something happens to us in the real world or here, then we'll die in the real world." And then he has another conversation where he makes it more clear to Sora. But I would think that first one was clear enough. Yeah. <laughs> and it does seem like Ty's attitude in that episode, where he's so confident, is pretty similar to his attitude, like in the episode with Skull Greymon, where they, you know, yeah. actively discuss, or Sora actively says, is Ty's behavior, like, you know, being hurt by being in the digital world? Or is he. Well, it was two, it was two different things, because originally he was like, we're the only ones that can digivolve, we're the only ones that can protect everyone. And he was like super hype about the idea of, you know, getting to ultimate level and being the one to protect them. Like, I think there is an element of pride in his, you know, protect the team mentality that Sora was talking about. But um, his overconfidence in the... the the pyramid episodes is more wow we can't die ever i guess he wasn't listening to izzy when he said that they would <laughs> because why would you ever listen to anything anybody says to you especially you know the only kid that understands computers in the digital yeah. world and he, he waited 14 episodes to say anything about what he discovered <laughs> like the stuff that he says is basically it's not like he discovers like news episode he says the same stuff he discovered in the andron episode uh I mean, it's kind of different. This was like a step beyond because the reason he came to this conclusion... I mean, it's because he found the map. Yeah, and the reason he found the map was because Datamon was using um, an email address from a website Izzy knew in the real world. So he that's when he made the connection. Okay, I looked at the website. That's that's not a real website, first of all. Of course it's not. No, but what's <laughs> weird is that the um, Digimon Wiki claims that it is a real website. Maybe it was at one point. Well, okay, I'm going yeah. to look this up now, but I'm pretty sure that that is not... Um, those characters, the hash, I'm pretty sure there's a hash symbol and an exclamation point can't be in a domain name. But this site, the Digimon Wiki said that it was a reference to a site because the first couple of characters are like A, H, then hash, and then a bunch of other gibberish. And it said it was a reference to A8.com because of that. And I'm like, no, it looks like someone just mashed keys together. <laughs> the first two letters on their own happen to be a domain name. And because any two characters happen to be a domain name. Is that true? Yeah. Probably. Um, but I also found it strange, Edamon as a whole, his characters, his goals don't really make sense. In episode 15, when they first meet him, he collapses the waterfall cave and is perfectly content to leave them in there. He's like, I, I did it. I'm done with this. 
and then <laughs> finds out that they escaped and he's like oh no he's chasing down now and it's like so your end goal is to trap them in a cave like was there more to this maybe he was trying to starve them out and that's how he would defeat them i don't know <laughs> i mean yeah what what actually is edamon after yeah what is he after get a clear idea he's just like oh these meddling kids let's get rid of them and then he just never does it <laughs> i think later in the series this is retcon to say that um, devamon and edamon and myotismon are all working for the dark masters but that doesn't seem to have much evidence here yeah, I don't see that. As a whole, like, yeah, this arc isn't great, but I still think it's better than the last arc. This arc, even though I don't like it overall, has some really great moments, I think. Yeah, yeah. We'll get into what those are, but I'm surprised by how much it uh, just, like, ties emotional roller coaster in quality as a roller coaster. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. I have a thing that I like in this arc. I like how happy Matt is in this arc. Is he particularly happy? He is particularly happy. He has, like, no angst whatsoever, and he smiles a lot. And he's like, (laughs) I want to digivolve myself, and he's great. (laughs) That's true. He was was all, like, cheesy. (laughs) Talking to Izzy, he's like, yeah, cool. (laughs) I couldn't tell. So I was was looking, I was re-watching parts of the first couple episodes to find sound clips for the first for the second episode of this podcast and there were like in finding them i inevitably had to be listening to stuff and there are so many times when matt makes jokes that are like way too cheerful and i couldn't tell if it's um you know purposely making him happy in the beginning or if it's just the writers not really knowing the tone and giving everyone are you jokes saying that matt can't be cheerful at all ever it was just way too cheerful like, I, didn't, he, I didn't have a problem with it. But he doesn't... I mean, I'm not talking this arc in particular, because I don't remember... I mean, they all made a bunch of really awful jokes <laughs> in the last part. Yeah. Always. But it's like, Matt at least should be a cool guy. No, I disagree. They're 11! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he should be cool for 11. Nobody is cool at 11. Yeah, no, first, yeah, nobody's cool at 11. When you're 11, maybe you think the older kids are cooler, but you don't think anybody who's 11 is cool, even when you're 11. <laughs> yeah. Really? Yes, that's not true. Yes, it is. You'd be jealous of people your own age when you're 11. Uh, I didn't. <laughs> I was certainly jealous of people when I was 12, and it's not like there's a magical gap between 11 and 12. You sure about that? <laughs> yeah. I- I'll go back and check. Because 11, you're still in fifth grade. Once you hit middle school, there's something different. Well, I was in sixth grade. La-dee-da. Oh, yeah, because you're a baby, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right, I'm, pretty, I'm pretty sure my age is always... I was always a single age throughout the school year. So weird. So I was always 11 in sixth grade. Yeah, that's weird. You're weird. Super weird. Get out. <laughs> this is my apartment. <laughs> I mean, I kind of liked the Skull Greymon episode, I guess. There was a Skull Greymon <laughs> in it. It's pretty cool. <laughs> Also, they elaborately explained soccer, and I was like, is that because there's Digimon who don't understand soccer, or is it because we're American? I think it's both. They, they explained soccer in such a simplistic way, though. It was like, you kick the ball. Also, you can't use your hands unless you're the goalie. Like, it was so... <laughs> like, the rules written for a five-year-old or something. It was great. <laughs> I thoroughly enjoyed That's it. exactly what you need to know about soccer. Yeah. Also, the way, the way they each in turn explain a different part of it is like they are passing the ball to each other. Aw, teamwork. <laughs> I forgot about that explanation entirely. So is your favorite part that episode or the soccer explanation? A little bit both. <laughs> the highlights for me were Skull Greymon and that soccer explanation. <laughs> 
See, I expected to really like Skull Greymon, and I don't know, I guess I was underwhelmed this time. And maybe, I think, I think I'm making too many comparisons to, um, and I can't remember his name, but um, The Dark Digivolution in Season 3. And I'm afraid that once we get to that, I will be disappointed by that too. I don't know anything about that. I could look up his name. But Ash knows nothing I, about that season. I didn't even know there was a Skull Greymon in Season 3. Is there? Well, it's not Skull Greymon, but there is a, there's a Dark Digivolution. It's not Skull Greymon. Oh, I don't remember any of that. I do not know. Ooh, you'll be in for a treat. Exciting. Uh, so, so my favorite part was, uh, I guess, the dynamic of Ty being overconfident and then being directly punished for it. And I guess the dynamic of not not the fact that Sora was taken prisoner, because that's, that's problematic <laughs> in terms of being a damsel in distress, but that there are a few things that could actually make Ty, like, really, like, really hit him in the gut and make him feel like, like what he did directly hurt someone. Yeah. But I guess, yeah, I don't know. I guess the highs that stand out in this arc really weren't that high. They were like, I still think interesting ideas to add to a children's show, but they weren't like, wow, that was amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Although I still think it's better than the last arc. Yeah. 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 I thought it was kind of interesting how each character got their crest. Did you? Go off. I did. (laughs) Oh, pro tip for all you kids listening who are still in school, possibly college, never use the word interesting in an essay. It's a meaningless word. Don't do it. This has been your moment. Also, don't say pro tip in an essay. people do that? No, definitely say pro tip. Don't don't say interesting, though. Well, no, it's just something I think every time I or someone else says the word interesting. So you have to say why it's interesting. Yeah, can we be like that professor that we had who banned the word interesting? Also, I could not live up to that if we tried to do that for the podcast. You would fail this class then. (laughs) (laughs) We're not doing a class. But yeah, we're not writing essays. So I'm forgiven. I forgive myself. Just like Ty forgave himself. Did he? (laughs) Did he actually say he did? It seemed more like he just forgot. He, sk- he skipped to the forgetting of forgive and forget. <laughs> but yeah, each character gets their crest in a different way. Even the ones who get it at the same time. So Ty gets his after running into a cave. Okay, Joe gets his by running into a soccer net. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, we need to, we're gonna, I'm going to play more at the soccer net, but whatever. Keep going. Um, yeah. Yeah, like why couldn't they lift it? Oh wait, it was electrified, that's right. Why was it? No, that there's, there's more. Yeah. <laughs> It uh, fell down, and then the back, you know, if it falls down, it falls down, the back should be exposed, but it wasn't for some reason. And also, why'd they run into it in the first place? But Oh, you're right. Oh, I didn't even think of that. <laughs> That's so weird. I don't think they expected anyone to think about it. Yeah, well, I sure didn't after 12 years. So Mimi got hers by driving her ship, driving, I guess it's not her ship, driving the ship into a cactus. Also, she didn't really do that. <laughs> Everyone yeah, ran. Everyone ran yeah, straight it was just, in the direction it was, it was just going. It was just yeah. going. The ship was going that way. So she did nothing, and a cactus yeah. was there. And a cactus, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Matt and Izzy went out to get theirs. A well. Yes. And TK Tokomon found TKs, and then Datamon had Sora's. But I think the circumstances surrounding each event sort of not always. But some of them reflected what their characters' roles were going to be with their crest and as the show progresses. I don't believe you. I know you don't. And some of them don't don't fit. I agree. And I agree with Ashley. Yes. <laughs> I agree with your disagreement in some ways. Uh, Please argue in what ways I will. you do not a- disagree. <laughs> I'm going... I- well, I think the most interesting... Blah, I keep doing it now. <laughs> yeah. Now look what's happened. Yeah. I think the 
the ones that fit best are Matt and Izzy and Sora, actually. Um, because Matt actually goes ahead and says, like, uh, I want to do this for me. I want to be a better person. Um, he does this after watching TK uh, make chores fun for himself. And he's just like, wow, I love my little brother. He never said that, but, you know, you read into these things. So Matt, Izzy, and Sora's, I think, were the most fitted to their owners. So why Izzy, though? Because I guess Izzy was curious and... Yes, yes. But I find it weird that once they're in the well, Izzy isn't the one who's... He's supposed to be knowledgeable, and he's not the one to think, well, these we can see the symbols on the wall, let me put my t- crest up, or my tag up against the wall. It was Matt that said that. I think that is... A, a moment of foreshadowing on the fact that Matt is going to become Ty's second command, the second possible leader of the group. Um, mm-hmm. And Izzy's crest in Japanese is actually the pursuit of knowledge, not knowledge itself. It's curiosity more than knowledge. Oh. Um, and yeah, Izzy tells Matt that he wants to go find it to because he's curious. He's curious about what Tentomon will become. He's curious about the nature of the crest, of that the nature of the digital world, how data becomes power. And the fact that Matt doesn't go alone to go find his crest, I think speaks a lot to friendship. That's an interesting point, yeah. A, a good point. Not yeah. interesting. <laughs> um and you can see the other there's a mixing of elements among among them all. Like Izzy is a good friend as well as the smart kid. Okay, real real time feedback. I looked up the the Japanese name for the crest is Chishiki no Monshu, Monsho. And that is so long. Well, it's it's Chishiki is knowledge and Monsho is crest. Oh, really? Um, yeah, but so the word seems to mean knowledge or information. Hmm. Um, I was yeah, maybe I'm wrong. I was told it was pursuit of knowledge back. I read these things on Angel Fire. <laughs> okay, one of the pictures that I got for the episode for episode two's um, image notes, whatever, is from a tripod website, and I was like, "This still exists, right?" <laughs> oh, I remember tripod. Yeah. Uh, the good old days. Oh, blah blah blah. Izzy, blah blah blah. Matt, blah blah blah. <laughs> oh, right. And you can see bravery in in Joe. Um, I mean, you can see it in all of them. You can see love in Mimi. You can see sincerity in TK. And I was wondering if the crests were a way to crystallize to crystallize the the most dominant trait in each kid and bring it out and make them more distinct as characters, or if that's just a natural thing that happens as part of growing up. And the crests were just you know, a physical representation of that, a, a metaphor made real. I mean, I guess the, the literal text of what they say when Mimi gets her crest is something along the lines of that she was given the crest of sincerity, even though it's ridiculous because no other crest is named at this point, and it's clearly a translation error. But No, 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 no. Uh, they call they call it the crest of courage. They call Ty's the crest of courage right after, not in the episode where he gets it, but the episode right after. And I was like, wait, when did they find out that it was called the Crest of Courage? Oh, really? It's very confusing, yeah. Hmm. I made a note of it's that. It's still confusing. Yeah, it's still confusing. Still sounds like a translation error. Yeah, probably. Wait, so they, once she gets it, she says something, or someone says something along the lines of... Yeah, someone says it's the Crest of Sincerity. And I was like, how do you know that? <laughs> but they also say, like, they chose well or something. Yeah. yeah like, they make it seem like she earned it because of what she already had, not because of, like, chosen to grow into it. Right. Also... Now I feel really terrible because last week or two weeks ago, whenever we recorded this, Ash, you said that the crest of reliability in Japanese was actually sincerity. 
And I was yes. like, no, it's faith. And the Japanese word means, it's seijitsu, and it means sincerity or faith. Ha. So, um, and apparently in the official <laughs> subs for Zero Two, they renamed it to Crest of Honesty instead of Reliability. Really? That's interesting. And then Sora got her crest. Datamon had it. Yeah. But the only reason she got it was that all her friends pitched in to help her. So she received it. She received it as a, as a result of their love for her. I'm only convinced by your mad explanation so far. <laughs> That's okay. I have even more far-flung explanations for the other four. Oh, yeah, because they make less sense. They do make less sense. Please tell me why TK is whatever TK is. Hope. I actually don't have one for TK. But um, <laughs> I th the thing I noticed with TK in this oh, arc... Oh, TK sees it when it's far away, and it's because younger people have better eyesight. What does that have to do with hope? Yeah, what? Because they're hopeful about their eyesight. Yes, that's exactly why he found it. <laughs> no, um, the thing I noticed with TK in this arc is that he's always with the Digimon. He huh. and Tokemon in this arc are, like, practically one entity. It was really weird. There's even that one scene where he was like, I'm going to stay with the Digimon to protect them. I'm like, Yeah, right? And he just, what? like, curled up and went to sleep with them. I was like, what is going on with TK? <laughs> and I feel like TK in this arc is more of a symbol than anything else. Like, in the first, in the first 13 episodes... He was a kid, and he was a symbol of some things because he was the, the smallest child that was prophesied to destroy Devimon, and he's Matt's little brother, and blah, blah, blah. But he didn't feel like not part of the group, and he didn't really feel like part of the group in this one. He was something to protect. He was an ideal. So I, I guess, for me, he sort of embodies a very problematic kind of hope where he's not, he's not realizing his potential. He's something they're saving away for the future. Because they know that Angemon's really strong. Yeah, but he can't even get to pat him on right now. I know. I guess there is, I never thought about it, but like, I thought about how TK gets his crest now, and it's, you know, literally not used for, this is episode like 19 when he got it, so it's not used for 30 more episodes. Yeah. And it's interesting that like, having that It's used your... like two episodes from the end, right? Right. But it's interesting how it's like kind of in their arsenal in the back in case they need to pull it out. So it's kind of like, it is that last bit of hope that they have yeah. some last move. Yeah, that's what TK becomes for the rest of this season. Mm. Also, looking at this list of crests, just it's just so ridiculous that Kari's crest, like her name is Hikari. Her crest is Hikari no Moncho. Like... <laughs> It's like, Kari's crest. Like, <laughs> why would you, like, wouldn't you get it and then be like, this is my name. Like, isn't this coincidental? Like, ha ha ha. Who saw that coming? <laughs> Gosh. Who's left? Mimi? I don't actually have one for Mimi. I kind of zoned out while I was watching that episode. <laughs> All I know is she, like, kicked ass in that episode. I don't remember what she did, actually. I was... Very skeeved out by that episode on the whole. Right. Um, so yeah, I don't have one for Mimi at all. Joe, Joe was, I felt in that episode that Joe was being particularly solid on his way to find his crest. Like as soon as he noticed it was nearby, he was like, okay, I ha we have, I have to get this. He was very, he wasn't scared at all. Or if he was scared, he was fine with being scared and just moving on, which I think is a much better kind of bravery than what Ty usually displays anyway. And, you know, if, if his crest in English is reliability, I felt that he was very reliable in that episode, and I felt that he had a lot of faith that this was the important thing to do. And then he got caught in a soccer net. Whatever. <laughs> that was all of them. Oh, no, I didn't do Ty. <laughs> 
So they, they get ties by fleeing in terror to the back of a cave. And I think rather than actually being an act of courage, well, yeah, there was no courage involved in that at all. But no. it, the crest itself kept them safe. It, it got them out of danger. And I guess it could, it could be a metaphor for discretion being the better part of valor. And, you know, a note to Ty, hey, sometimes the flashy hero way isn't the bravest course of action, isn't the most, uh, isn't the best way to lead your team. Hmm. That's a, I can't avoid saying interesting. Um, (laughs) (laughs) That's an interesting point, but... But it's stretching it. Right, like, I think this whole... You've come up with a lot of interesting points and connections, but there's no... I don't see a consistent interpretation. No, no, it's certainly not. Right. So there's like a lot of interesting points to be made about how they find their crests, but there's no... I assume once they actually activate them, there is a more consistent... They activate... I mean, like, we saw Ty activate his crest of courage by being courageous and... Yes. Yes. So, as I recall, the other crests are all activated by being that trait. Yes. Um, Yeah. Yes, they are. Ash is just so good at this... Because he's really good at writing essays where he BSs things. <laughs> I have written some fantastic essays about animals in Dracula and the use of simile in The Little Mermaid. I'm really great at BS. Okay, I really hate the term, like the way people use the term BS like that because it's like it just makes it, like if you're making legitimate connections, it's not BS. Like it, it just it gives it such discredit to analysis to say that because something's not obvious that it's BS. And uh, well, I mean, is are the points I'm making here uh, legitimate? <laughs> some of them are, some of them aren't. That's in the. I guess everyone has to make their personal opinion about that, and I, I guess, lean towards no. But I think they're definitely worth exploring, and and I think the points individually are, are worthwhile, but they're not meaningful on the whole. Like there's um, no. And so I, yeah, I, I wouldn't call them BS. Just like I don't know, I take issue that that terminology always because yeah, I, I guess it's useful if you actually like you do not read something or watch something and you pretend you make stuff up. You know, like mm-hmm. that, that's what it makes you think of. People that in high school English classes would not read the text and then, you know, just say, oh, it's like Jesus, because everything could be back, brought back to Jesus or whatever. <laughs> on the other hand, everything can be brought back to Jesus. <laughs> right. You can trust my opinion on this because I'm a Jew. <laughs> I, I just always think literary analysis is BS because I come up with the points as I write the essay. Like, stuff just becomes more connected to me, and I'm like, I'm totally just making this up as I go Well, along. you come up with some points before you write the essay, but then you discover new connections, and you have you have three more sentences, and you're almost to your word count. Yay! But see, I think Yay. that actually makes it, in some ways, more valid, because the thing that would make it BS to me would be if you have a conclusion in mind, and then you try to find ways to support that conclusion. Like, you're fitting facts to the narrative. I mean, no, that's actually the way to write an essay. Yeah, that's that's pretty much what happens. <laughs> you you well, that's have BS. something you want to say, and you... <laughs> no, you find the facts to back it up. But you should find all the facts and then make your conclusion based on what the facts are. Yeah, but see, I'm telling you that's not what happens. <laughs> I mean, you, you come up with your conclusion based on already having read the, the thing, I would assume. I would hope. I would use my crest of hope. But right, so like what I would envision, at least at that point, is you, you read the thing, you come up with a conclusion, and then you... You try to find facts. And if you can't come back with any facts, then you were like, okay, this isn't about conclusion anymore. Yeah, I'm done with crests. Are you guys done with crests? I mean, I just think the crests were so not, like, they were just like, we're going to go find crests and tags, and we're going to make really bad 
plot around it. Like, I guess I don't, I don't have anything to say about the um, the traits. I had some complaints about which we already discussed about the um, whether they know what the trait they're getting or not, and how I guess I find it frustrating how the this, this crests are supposed to be sought after, and Jenna like told them to find them before someone else does, and yet they're out in the open, and you know they're not protected. No, except for. I guess the the one the, the crest of courage was hidden in a cave. They were all hidden. Not not uh, TK's was just like it was the entrance to a cave. Wasn't it like hidden in a side canyon? I guess so, but they were walking there anyway. Like for some reason they were walking into that into that cul-de-sac. Yeah. All right. Well, TK's TK's the only one that was exposed like that. That's true. I guess because Mimi's was inside a plant. Who knows where Sora's was? Matt and T- and Izzy. I keep doing that. Matt and Izzy's were down a well. But do you think that, like, if Myotismon came and, like, attacked the cactus, he couldn't get it out? I don't I think the cactus would have opened for him. Cactus mm-hmm. op- Like, the cactus hadn't bloomed until Mimi got there. Well, I will have to write my Myotismon cactus fanfiction to address this scenario. Ooh la la. Bow chicka wow wow. <laughs> I don't know. The only consistent thing that I found in this arc was them growing up. Like, Janai is definitely, like, you are being terrible to your Digimon. You are terrible parents to your Digimon. They even have some really explicit conversation about it in which Joe is like, do I treat you bad? And they go around in the circle being like, what am I doing wrong? <laughs> like, oh yeah, so, so Ashley uh, and I wa- watched that scene with Jedi in Japanese again, just to um, with subtitles to see if there were any major differences. And it was super weird because in the dub, Ty's really combative. Um like, Jenai says, you didn't treat Agumon well, and Katai's like, what could I have done better? Jeez! Basically. <laughs> and in Japanese, he's like, oh, what could we have done? That's I forget the exact lines, but... I think that's that has something to say about values of American and Japanese culture. Yeah. We, we do value the combative, hot-blooded streak in our warriors. Like, how many military movies are there where the plucky young white guy uh, talks back to his superior officer and doesn't get in trouble for it? All of them? It's kind of ridiculous. But whether it's a dub or not, that's kind of Ty's characterization anyway. It is Ty's characterization in dub. Yeah. It's not so much in the sub from what I remember from what I've seen. Well, he definitely still has a fire Digimon. Wow. Anyway, (laughs) I mean, and then just all this... After this whole conversation, I guess the next episode, you know, Tai really pushes Agumon to reach the next level of Digivolution and forces him to, like, eat a lot. Wait, what? what? No, Jedi, the Jedi conversation is after. Really? Oh. Right, because it's reprimanding him after Skull Raymon happened. Right. Yeah. Um, but I want to talk, talk about the parenting Digimon more because I found that really strange and out of place because, like, Tamers does that from the outset, like, makes it clear that these are, uh, I guess, like, pets, kind of, they take care of. Um, whereas this show, up until this point, I thought of them as partners, equal partners. Yeah. And then suddenly it was like, you're not taking care of your, your pets well. And I was like, what? Since when, <laughs> since when was it the kids' obligation yeah. to take care of the Digimon? Um, and it's weird because I feel like maybe this just wasn't a priority when writing the season, but it felt like they brought that idea up to reprimand Ty and then it never becomes important again. For me, I felt like the reprimand was in a way you're not taking good care of yourself, of your own spirit. Because as much as they're partners, hmm. they are also, in a way, reflections of themselves. They're also spirit animals. I guess. <laughs> that is pretty much what you just said. 
Is Palamon an animal? Can we say that? Why not? <laughs> She's a vegetable also. <laughs> or is she a fruit? No, she is not. She's a flower. <laughs> and a root. But the, thought, the designation is not the flower, is it? What? Doesn't have to do with seeds? A fruit has to be something around the seeds. If she's if she's in flower, she doesn't have seeds yet. Do you know anything about plants? Have you ever been outside? <laughs> Even Ash goes outside. <laughs> right, so if she... Hmm, she does have a flower. You don't call an apple blossom a, fla- uh, a fruit. It's a flower. But she is not the... She's not a flower. Like, she has a flower on her head. She is not the flower. She's the root. She's the stem. And her toes are roots. Her her yeah. arms are leaves, aren't they? I don't know. She also has vines. Uh, yeah. Let's not discuss the anatomy of Palmon too much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've never... I, I thought it was weird when Jen I was like, you're not taking good care of them. It's like, they're partners. They're also 11. He went all Pokemon I mean, on us. <laughs> but we do... I don't know. Whenever, whenever I've rewatched this season in the past, I've tried to think of it more from a lens of the Digimon being reflections of the characters and that... This is just a way for them to, you know, add additional characterization of these char- of these humans that wouldn't be available otherwise. Well, they're their own thing, too. Right, that's the thing. It doesn't really work when you have things like uh, Gomamon acting completely separately from Joe. Um, they are their own entities, so... Yeah, but they're also connected. Yeah? Yeah. yeah. I guess I find it frustrating that Digimon weren't, like, offended by that. Like... Because they're children, too. When an old dude's like, you did this wrong, and they'd already just had a really scary encounter with Skull Greymon. It's like, oh, I guess we did do this wrong. Yeah. Unless you're Ty, and then you're like, I still did nothing wrong! <laughs> well, I think, actually, he did feel that he'd done something wrong and was act- like acting out defensively, and that's... Yeah. yeah. Like, he felt really bad about it, but he didn't want anyone else to tell him that he should feel bad about it. He's like, no! Doesn't make him less of a jerk. No, it doesn't. All right, so Ty was obviously a really bad parent in his Skull Greymon episode because forced Agumon to eat tons of food. Just kept giving him food. Like, there's a limit to the you must eat all the food on your plate thing. And then, I don't He was just, like, he kept pushing Greymon to fight evil Greymon or whatever and was like, I'm going to force you to digivolve more, more. And then... Okay, see, I, I see Greymon. issue with this because... Really? He, <sighs> I didn't feel like he was forcing him to fight Greymon that much. Like, he was the only Digimon that could fight. They were being attacked. I don't know what else he... He was applying a lot of pressure, but what else... What other option was there? What happened to all the other Digimon? They were, they trapped, were trapped under in the, net. the net. They got out I mean, eventually. But, so that's the, what I, the yeah. problem I had with it, is that they had... They wanted to have it both ways. Like, they wanted to... They didn't want to have a situation where Ty was in the wrong for pushing him, but also he needed to be in the wrong for it to make any sense. Or, I mean... I guess they didn't. They didn't want to have to explain away why the Digimon weren't helping. Um, I don't know. It's just like I guess. I guess in the end, all the the friend, all the all their all the other kids did escape. So he could have delayed and waited for everyone to get out, um, and could have relied on the team instead of doing anything himself. Well, it also just makes no sense because why didn't Edamon do his thing where none of them could digivolve? Okay. Well, he was remote in that episode. He was telecommuting that episode. <laughs> But just in general, he didn't really employ that technique. Yeah, so he, he did that, I think, in every episode until the last two. He did it every time he was there in person. But 
Yeah, then after that, he doesn't... In the last episode where Metal Graham was actually able to destroy him, he doesn't do it for some reason. Well, at that point, he'd been sucked into the ball of wires. Yeah. Maybe he couldn't do it anymore. That's that's what I would like to believe. <laughs> I would like to believe that as well. But it's still, like, it's clearly some sort of metaphor with Skull Graham of, like, you grew up too quickly and you used the wrong method, so you became a horrible monster. Oh, yeah. I mean, totally, yeah. but... Right, so so what are you trying to get at? Are you trying to get at that Ty was a bad parent or that Skull Grandma grew up too quickly? I think they're interconnected. Yeah. I mean, I still take issue with the parent thing. That's just so weird. But um It totally happens. <laughs> yeah, I guess. But like also Ty stinted the team in order to do this. He took their food. Yeah. Ty's a jerk. Yeah, he is. I'm gonna keep pushing this. <laughs> I love him. I love him, but yeah. He got an idea into his head, an idea that happened to glorify him and didn't listen to anyone else about it, which is not how to how to be courageous. Courageous courage isn't fearlessness. It is seeing fear and then knowing how to overcome it. <laughs> yeah, or working with through the fear anyway. That's true. Like I mean that directly follows Yeah. That directly follows Ty's arc later on. Yeah, he, exactly. In the second to last episode, doesn't see any fear. In the last episode, he sees the fear and overcomes it. Yeah. Can we talk about how, like, weird Sora's memory of Ty saying there was no I in team was? Because I was like, wait, that wasn't the moral I got from that story at all. <laughs> I thought he was just, like, covering his butt, you know? Because he, yeah. he was trying was to like, do it what? himself. Yeah. Yeah, I think... I kind of want to know how that went in the Japanese, because that was not the moral I got out of it either. Yeah. It could have been Sora just covering for him. I mean, that was the, that was the moral I got from the, the... Without without looking... I did not look too carefully what actually happened, so I just accepted those words as truth. Dude, no. Ty, Ty hogged the ball. Yeah, if you actually look at it, it's very clear. Yeah. He hogged the ball, and then... Tried to make the shot himself. Yeah, but he got tackled, so then the ball like went away and just happened to end up in Sora's. <laughs> or was he distracting the person so that he would get tackled and could pass the ball? No, no. he wanted to no. make that shot. Ty is not a subtle character. <laughs> but I, I do like, and I really like the aspect of Sora seeing Ty's personality change. And, you know, maybe that wasn't done very well to actually show his personality being different before. Um, but I wish it had been. He did take the the loss of power in the flashback better than I think he would have at that point in the digital world. I guess so. After she made the shot, he was like, yeah, okay, good job. <laughs> we win. Worked out well for me in the end. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But yeah, Ty definitely is a grandstander. Like, there's no denying that. Boo. <laughs> so I, I understand that Ty's arc definitely changed by the end. Like, the things that so there, there are lots of bad things he does to trigger the dark dissolution. He overfeeds Aguma. He pressures him. He doesn't isn't willing to let the other team help. The rest, everyone else on the team help. So I understand emotionally why it happens, and then why later on when Grandma digivolves digivolves for real, <laughs> that it's not that it works well that time and doesn't work well the first time. But I guess it bothers me that the mechanics, looking at it from a mechanics perspective of what actually triggers the dark digivolution, not much changes. You know, like they're in a situation where they're going to be attacked. Um, no one else can help. But Ty, Ty even says, like, I believe in you is what but, triggers it. But Ty also engineered that situation to happen. Ty put himself in danger. 
Ty put himself well, he, in he danger, put himself in danger yeah. needlessly. You're not supposed to do that. So that's the thing. Like, there's there's a fine line between putting yourself in danger needlessly, and it seemed like he was also, you know, trying to help. He was like, he was being reckless. And yes, I mean, yes, that's, that's he what had. Triggered, but that that's what triggered Joe's. That's that's what Joe did to trigger Gomamon's evolution, and it wasn't a problem then. Joe didn't do it to trigger Gomamon's evolution. He did See, it. That's what bothers me. Like, I understand emotionally and like why this happens, but. Mechanically, I guess. I guess in this universe, the mechanics are the emotion are the mechanics. Yeah, um, but it, it seems is. like ties ties rushing in mechanically is no different than Joe jumping on Unimon's back, and one of them makes the sky go black and red thunder. Ty was doing it for selfish reasons. Joe was doing uh, it because he's an idiot. But- so I can buy this as an explanation if we agree that in the adventure universe, emotions are mechanics. They are. That, that's expanded on in season two. Uh, yeah, because the more they try to define the mechanics, the more it becomes like they can't actually trigger it if they try to just follow the mechanics. Yeah. 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 Another thing is like in the Digimon virtual pets, if you overfeed your your pet, they do evolve poorly. Really? Yeah. If you feed them too much candy and they get fat, and then you get Numamon. Wow. <laughs> that would have been funnier if he just became Numamon. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been well, awesome. Numamon is a champion, so... <laughs> but but from Numamon, you can get Monzaemon. Numamon's the only way you can get Monzaemon. So, I guess I wanted to talk again, like I did last time, about the mechanics of the digital world, and of data, and power, and matter, etc. It was... I struck by how the Black Gears survived Devimon. They still existed after Devimon disappeared, which leads me to believe that they may very well have existed before he came onto the scene. If if you can ever truly say that he came or went since data is never um, deleted, blah, blah, blah. So I actually, when I was reading something, um, I don't know what the source is, but I'm pretty sure in canon, Devimon is supposed to have found the Black Gears. Yeah, because it did seem like they were already there. They were part of the makeup of File Island. Which is very strange. Yeah, so evil is inherently, or not evil, corruption is inherently a part of the digital world. And it's part of how it works. It's part of the mechan- like the, the mechanics, the gears, the workings of the world, which don't see in nearly anything. That, that evil has to exist in the world. That decay and corruption and misuse of power have to exist in the world, by definition. Really? You don't think it was a common thing? No, I don't, because usually it's treated as, oh no, something is horribly wrong, let's fix it. So it's definitely, well, I guess it depends how we define common, but the acknowledgement that like light needs to exist without, light cannot exist without darkness is definitely yeah, that's present common. in a ton of things. Yeah. Right, and it, this is like, uh, I guess, an extension of that. But even the things that do acknowledge that light has to, darkness has to exist for light to exist, they never really treat it. Yeah. <sighs> they say it, they don't really feel it. Yeah. Like, this is a common theme in Kingdom Hearts, I guess, and things like that where... Korra. Oh, yeah, they acknowledge that, like, you need darkness for there to be light, but then it's always about being the person who defeats the darkness. Yeah. Like, and then they just say at the end, like, oh, yeah, and there'll always be, there'll, there'll always be some darkness. But, like, we're still going to defeat most of it. And it's like, no, but, like, shouldn't there be a balance, right? Like, it should be about having a balance, not about... Yeah, they always uh, try to say that, oh, darkness is getting out of control, this is why we need to fix it. But it never really seems that way. It's always, oh, darkness is bad, in practice. Right. I I wish there were some, any kind of story that were about the opposite, that were about... Oh, they exist. Oh, really? Yeah. 
Well, I'd like to hear about them. I both from you and the audience. I yeah, audience, help me out here. I can't think of any <laughs> off the top of my head, but they exist. They're out there. Because like something that is told from the point of view of darkness, and I think I think usually usually though, um, yeah, they like reverse it so that the dark is kind of how we see the light. They don't really uh, value the things we consider dark. What I have seen, I think it's its own trope on TV tropes, is um, the TV tropes calls it the trope of um, dark is not evil. Yeah. Um, And I remember specifically in regards to the Harry Potter fan fiction um, methods of rationality. Wow. Are you judging fan fiction, Ashley? Yeah. (laughs) I guess this, this TV tropes article lists the as an image has Batman, which I guess is an interesting perspective that, but Batman is never really about like, there is too much good in the world. Let me fight back. It's just, I need to use darkness as a way to combat the evil. Yeah. Yeah. I don't even see Batman as like ever being about using evil. He's the dark knight. I mean, I get he's the dark knight, but you never, that's just visual. But no, he, he also does have questionable methods at times. Right. But it's also weird because he has, he has supposed to have questionable methods and also never use a gun and never kill Yeah. Them. I thought the point was that he never kills anybody. Right. That's, that's just weird. I don't know. I'm thinking like Cora actually did a somewhat decent job of this complaint of like, there is good and evil and it must be balanced. But then they totally BS'd it in the end. So <sighs> Yeah. No, no. Well, but yeah, Cora is just, the conclusion of Cora is that the darkness is getting too out of hand. Let's destroy it. And but they didn't you know, destroy it. They did right? destroy it. They did it in the, in the end, well, it's a spoiler, but like they did destroy it. And with the exception, with the caveat that it'll be reborn within 10,000 years or whatever. Um, I don't think that's dumb. I just think it's, I think it reinforces the idea that like the world as we know it and want it is the world where darkness is repressed and light, light is um, winning. Yeah. Which I don't know. I feel like it's, it's, it comes from media not being, I guess it's an easy story to tell, to like have light fight darkness and, I just wish people tried more. I just don't like it as a visual trope of, like, we always make evil characters dark. It's like, that's not how the real world works. <laughs> it's also not true in Digimon. And not always true in any in everything. Like, in Digimon, um, not an adventure, but Lusamon, his name means light. So you get some variation. But you're you're right in that usually it's like this. Right. I also just don't... I don't know what it's in. I don't know why they're evil Digimon. <laughs> basically my problem. Oh. I mean, I guess I don't know why they're Digimon at all, but... <laughs> <laughs> like, why but Why is there good data and bad data? <laughs> well, okay, we have, we have to acknowledge that there is the data vaccine virus triangle of classification of Digimon that, according to TV Tropes, um, I'm looking at this article right now, and it's talking about how Digimon that are virus are not necessarily evil. Which is true because of Gilmon and etc. Um, Gilmon's a virus. I thought so. Huh? Did I make this up? He may be. No, it makes sense to me. Oh yeah, yeah, he is. It's just surprising because we're taught that most viruses are bad. Ogremon's a virus, and he's not. <laughs> <laughs> he's the most. He. What is he? The baddest of all the evil Digimon? <laughs> yeah, that's so that would. I think it's the the worst yeah. of all the bad Digimon or something. The most evil, the bad Digimon. Yeah, yeah because like that's that. totally true, even in. <laughs> First season. Also, Skullgreymon is a fully evolved Digimon, according to Tentomon. <laughs> Tentomon is the best source of information ever. Super reliable. Um, right, but what was I saying? I don't know. Oh, I don't know. so so 
in the world of Digimon, I guess there is a distinction between data, virus, and vaccine. In the Digimon are just naturally of one type. Um, so you say, why is there evil? We can acknowledge there is this distinction, but that doesn't, that doesn't, there's no reason why the virus, why do the people who, why do the Digimon who are virus type act evil? Is your real question. Right. And that's because viruses hijack data. I think the problem is more that Devimon was manipulating other Digimon against their will. He was turning them against themselves. Edamon... But to what goal? To what goal was he doing that? We don't even know. They just don't have goals. And I just don't understand. Do, vi- do viruses have a goal? But th- these aren't just viruses. Like, we don't just take, you know, we, 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 these are characters. Like, we don't just look at Agumon and say, well, he's data type, so he just acts like data. You know, like. <laughs> yeah. I'm feeling like this is just a poorly constructed metaphor at this point. <laughs> As all metaphors yeah. inevitably are. Yeah. But I think the, 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 the evil, the concept of evil in the digital world is, uh, is corruption more than it is cruelty. It's. Um, right. Yeah. But so there are reasons I can understand Devimon wanting to be the ruler of the island. Um, but then it comes to like, what is Edamon's goal? Did I, is he just mis- mischievous? Does he just want to have an audience for his rock concerts? Like, Why is he Elvis? I have thoughts. Why is he in a monkey suit? Why? Why does he have a Monzaemon on his belt? I don't, I don't have thoughts about the monkey suit, but I do have thoughts <laughs> about Edamon. Edamon's the first villain we see who isn't visibly controlling anyone. He he, he has his little army of Gazimon who... Well, that's not true. Devimon... Oh, sorry. I was going to say, De- Devimon does not control Ogremon, but he still controls others. Yeah. 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 Edamon... Uh, we haven't really seen him control anybody. He locked Datamon in a thing, and he erased his memories, apparently, which is actually really creepy, considering that knowledge is literally power in the digital world. But he... His... His Gazimon adore him, and he's very casual with them. The the image that kept coming to my mind with Edamon was less dark overlord ruling through fear and terror and more like, here's your neighborhood gang. Like, they're bad and you, they're awful and you want them gone, but at the same time, you know them, you know their parents. It's it's sort of a familiar, familial thing. Yeah, that's uh, that's interesting. And he... Gazimon is still clearly afraid of him, though. Of course they are. He's right, much but, more powerful. But they're afraid of him in the way that, like, it's like a, a gang boss, you know? like Yeah. I kept thinking of the Yakuza. Yeah, the Gazimon are afraid of Edamon, but they also enjoy working for him. I guess it's, I don't know, something about a Gazima now, like, it, it fits perfectly for me. It fits perfectly to me that they're a gang. Yeah. Um, I don't know, maybe it's the sunglasses that, that Gazimon has in the Skull Graham episode. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think of the, what's the, the Squirtle gang? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I remember them. Sunglasses mean you're in a gang. I, I don't know if this is true, but I was wondering, do Gazimon eventually evolve into Edamon? Well, I'm looking, and it doesn't look like Edamon... So your best friend Ogremon is the prior form of yes, Edamon. Yes, I see that. So is Sukumon. That's interesting. Yeah. Hmm. Well, that's cool. So they're not related. Huh. They just came together to be a gang of misfits. Yeah. Gang of animal-themed... What even are the Gazimon? They're rabbits. Are they? Are yeah. they really? Yeah. Are they evil rabbits? <laughs> you think rabbits aren't evil? Rabbits are herbivores. So anyway, I don't think it's well thought out that the Black Ears persists on Violet Island. 
given that why is primary village on the place where evil like it's yeah i mean why wouldn't it's it a be? cycle yeah because why wouldn't they put it somewhere where there aren't black ears that could possess the kids first of all like i don't I'll, the gears were inside the ground it's quite possible they built primary village without realizing that the island was made of gears since Devimon was the one That's who true. supposedly discovered them, right? Uh, I wouldn't... Maybe. Maybe, there, maybe maybe Devimon wasn't even a bad Digimon until he found them and discovered what their power could do. And he never creates them. He doesn't create the Black Ears. He just tra- he just uh, gets them from elsewhere. Yeah. And I thought that the way the Black Ears persist after Devimon... We have no way of knowing if the kids really got them all. Like They were all like, yeah, I bet that's the last one. And then Dromojimon showed up. With another one. And they were like, yeah, that's the last one. But really, kids? <laughs> really? You saw all those gears in the island. They were still there. They fixed themselves. See, that's what... It feels like that's an interesting undertone. I wish the show... The show could just have, like, one black gear show up, like, ten episodes from now. Just to be like, yeah, they're still out there. I think they maybe imply it a little bit later in season two. That they're still around. Or that the blueprints of them are still around. The, I guess the thing I like about that one one-off episode of season two with the dark ocean is that it's like it's not explained. It's like there's still weirdness out there, and there's yeah. still things that are unexplained. Yeah, it's not like this. Like adventure by the end of it is is tied up into this neat little bow that you know tries to like account for everything that happened in a way that doesn't <laughs> feel satisfying. Yeah. Um, and another question I had was relating to this was they all derive their power from mechanical things. They make things go. The gears make things go. Edamon's network is electric. It powers. Well, we don't know that. It, well, yeah, no, it powered Dizzy's computer, didn't it? I, did it give it power? Or was it was just it was just the internet. Oh no, no, it was a uh, Ethernet. Yeah, the true power. It's like what is electricity in the digital world? Like he. Edamon can warp the structure of things. You know, when he uses his dark network, the, the, the mountain twisted. He can't twist Digimon, although it's implied that he can erase memories somehow. Although maybe that was just Datamon, because Datamon's a computer. But, like, Datamon should be the most powerful Digimon in existence. He's literally made of and manipulates what the digital world is made of. Well, it's unclear. We don't really see what his abilities are, right? We don't see if his... He can copy Sora. He makes, like, a shell of her. Yeah. A shell of her that he thinks will work. It's very much implied that copying data does not make it the same quality data. No, but he can still do it. He created something out of nothing. But if it's no good, what does it matter? But he also had a machine for that. I wasn't really like... Where he is built it? that I machine. A... I guess so. That's such an elaborate setup, though. You can't just be like, I'm going to take over the digital world by... Let me go gather all of the digital world and put it in my massive machine that takes forever to copy anything. We don't we don't know what he did. We don't know what he did before Edamon erased his memories. I guess so, but like whereas Edamon has the ability to like just like get out of his guitar or whatever and make people make like, regress people's digivolution. Edamon or Datamon it's a much less limited it's like I guess he has the cre- ability to create certain things, but it doesn't feel very universal. Those things already have to exist. That's still very powerful. Yeah. Manipulation? Everything comes down to manipulation. I don't know. I just feel like this, given this was never really, I I understand what you're going for, Ash. Like, in theory, something that is based on data in a digital world where everything is data should be super powerful. And I just didn't get that vibe at all from the show. I know. You know? I didn't either. He should be the most powerful Digimon. Why isn't he? (laughs) Why wasn't he (laughs) Apocalymon? Maybe he is. (gasps) (laughs) Done. 
That's what. So when Apocalypse complained about not having friends, he really just wanted that Sora copy. I have feelings. That sounded dirty. Sora copy. Also, it's also wait. So so this explains the Sora making the system between Ty and Matt, right? Because now there are two Soras. Okay, no, stop. You're getting into the territory <laughs> of what I have wanted to write as a fanfic for like ten years. Get out. <laughs> <laughs> but she was erased. Or was she actually? In another universe, she wasn't. Also, all what? of them. All, the the kids also got erased or will get erased. Oh, that's true. And they just and they well, came back. We're not there yet. Right. So what if the store copy was just like boom? I'm back. What if what if at the end? This is what I want to write back. my fanfic about. Get out. <laughs> so why haven't you written it yet? <laughs> why haven't I written it yet? Because it would be epic and long, and I don't want to. <laughs> oh, you used epic in the right way then. Yes. Yeah. It would be a war epic. Because I would put so, I would put Clone Sora in charge of an army in the digital world, and 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 Ty would go and do his diplomat thing or whatever he's supposed to do after he's a grown up, and I can have my Tyora and eat it too. The end. Amazing. Yes. Yes, I agree. Yeah, gender. It's still a problem. <laughs> it's, I think it's even more of a problem in this arc than it was before. It really is, though, right? Yeah. Like I think because when they're when they're split off, they get more screen time. Whereas now they, when they're in the group, the girls really don't get much screen time aside from that one part where they're everyone's petrified or they're kidnapped. Yeah. I think that the moments the girls do get alone are some of the best in this arc. Uh, not not when alone. they're naked. No. I disliked that much, muchly. I disliked that a lot. <laughs> it's like, what is with all these naked 10-year-olds in this show? Um, they got naked a lot in this They arc. did. Yeah, it's always always Mimi. They got naked like three times. It was always Mimi, and I was really upset. Yeah. Okay, it's twice, isn't it? No, I'm pretty sure it's three times. Uh, Pokemon right? Village, boat, then it, and... Then there's one where Sora joins Mimi. Yeah, that the was the boat. That's the second time. Yeah. Yes. What? Pagumon Village, Mimi gets undressed, and then in the cruise ship, they both could do. Okay. That's two. But then they're naked that whole episode. <laughs> they are naked that whole episode, and it was really upsetting. Um, and I didn't watch it, <laughs> basically. But, um... Uh, no, there's one moment in uh, the Piximon Cometh where they're... Matt, Matt and uh, Ty's missing, and Matt and Izzy are haven't come back from their journey to the well. And Joe's freaking out a little, and <laughs> Sora and Mimi are like, eh, "Maybe Pixiemon's like eating all of us, ha ha ha," making fun of Joe. And I was like, "Mimi, Sora, you're so mean. It's beautiful." <laughs> wow, I did like that. I guess I liked it because it, it, it was showing sides of Mimi we hadn't gotten to see much before. I think that Mimi got actually got to show a lot of a lot more depth than she had before um but she also got naked a lot and also flirted with the new she totally so. flirted with that new mom yeah. but she didn't she didn't promise anything like i'm okay with in, in a situation where mm. she is always being sexualized pretty much she goes ahead and uses that as a weapon right, right. so so I, I don't have any issue with her doing that like, i don't like blame her as a character for doing that i blame the writers for setting up a position where that's what she has to do to yeah 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 it's also it's also this type of stuff that gives women like a bad name yeah. in the eyes of men like they'll be like you're such a tease and stuff like yeah like that's basically what happens well within her rights to be but she also she also um 
in I keep track of all the moments with Mimi that I like, apparently. But she um Shocking. Yes, I do. She saves the day a lot in these arcs. With the cockatreemon, obviously. She and Sora take care of that. Um Fried chicken. Yeah. And she when she's left alone with TK, which I found annoying that Sora was kidnapped and Mimi was left alone with the kid. But yes. um she took it upon herself. She made an, an executive decision to go save the boys, which she did. And she was very cool. Like she and when Ty was like, No, you guys stay behind, she he told Mimi and Matt to stay behind and she was like, Are you sure you won't need me? Like she is well aware of her own strength, which I like. She was much more competent in this arc than she's been shown to be previously. I suppose. I don't really... Did she really save them in the end? She helped them. She delayed and then allowed them to have more time to hide, I guess. Uh, yeah, I guess so. But they would have died without her. Okay, I'm not sure that's yeah, they're, true. They're, they're, <laughs> I don't know, they're always situations where, like, one character does one little bit. You know, like, they're a team that passes the ball to each other. You can't just yeah. say, well... She did one of the ten passes, so yeah. she's crucial to the team. I mean, it's true, but she's not... Ugh, Pixel's eating my headphones. <laughs> um, right, like it's, still, it's still a gender problem. It is still a gender problem. But I liked that she made the decision to fight with very little fuss. My favorite moment, my Mimi, favorite Mimi moment was when uh, Izzy started talking, started like doing stuff with his laptop, and then she was like, oh no, here we go again. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was great. Mimi is... <laughs> Fantastic. Can we have a running segment that's uh, Mimi moments? (laughs) I'm down with that. (laughs) I like its alliteration. Yes, me too. Oh god, I have like quotes from her written down. She, she, (laughs) apparently she says, whoever doesn't come back alive is going to be in a lot of trouble, got it? Oh yeah, fantastic. (laughs) (laughs) I'm really disappointed with Sora. I, I have complicated feelings about Sora in this arc because I, mean, I, I find that really funny because I in editing episode one like heard this one part of you saying I, I have, have a lot of feelings I, about Sora right over and over I have a lot of feelings <laughs> about Sora's clone <laughs> um, this uh, what is that what is that episode called uh, Enter Metal Greymon that that has been one of my favorite episodes for a very, very, very long time since I first saw it. And yes, it's obnoxious that Sora's been kidnapped and has to be saved, and it's kind of creepy that she's, like, nailed to a table. And, yeah. <laughs> uh, but, like, at the same time, Sora... It, uh, I have a lot of feelings about Sora. I love her, but I also have a lot of mixed feelings about Sora. She was just like... She had very little characterization in this arc. Well, the characterization was there, but it was characterization that had to do with Ty. That's true. She it was her being mad at Ty. It was. It was her supporting Ty. It was her being mad at Ty when he was being stupid. Like in some <laughs> ways, I appreciate that we see that you know the the fierce tomboy girl character can still be compassionate and and a team player and see the the good in people that the others don't see because we get a lot of you know hard ass ladies that don't need no man and like yeah <laughs> that is a type of strength but there's there's lots of ways to write fascinating women like yes we get so little strong fe- strong strong female characters are important but i think that 
well-rounded and and interesting female characters. You to have a variety of female characters would be even better. Different kinds of strength, different kinds of things to latch onto, different things to admire. Yeah, like one thing that I felt about uh, Mimi. So it's not directly related to Sora, but there's this line in the episode that, according to the Dub, is supposed to be about her. The episode with the cruise ship, and in the beginning, oh, what did I have it written down somewhere? Where did I put it? All right. So she says in that episode, in the beginning, I haven't sweated this much since cheerleader tryouts. And it's like, are we really supposed to believe that Mimi was a cheerleader? Like, she does not seem like a cheerleader. The impression I got from that was that the writers, you know, grouped all women together and were like, yeah, all women have been cheerleaders. And so like, <laughs> all they girly girls have been cheerleaders. Right. Exactly. That like, yeah. they, they couldn't put that trait on Sora. So they were like, oh, well, we have to put on Mimi because I mean, it makes sense. She's a girly girl. Yeah. And so I... <sighs> I feel bad making accusations without knowing the full story, but that is the impression I got. And that doesn't, you know, we're saying how we, we wish there were multiple females that have differing characters, this char- characterization. Yeah. If there were as many female characters as there were male characters in this team, like, I think we would all have fewer complaints about Sora and Mimi because there would just right. be more variety. There would be more things to look at. It wouldn't be, this is the representation of females here. This is what... This is all girls boil down to. Tomboys and valley girls. It wouldn't be like that. <laughs> I mean, we get Kari later, but, like, Kari, Kari is the little sister. She never really progresses beyond that. In this season. In this season. Even later. Well, she doesn't become the little sister. She becomes she, the... We still know her as Ty's little sister. The prize. Yeah, that, yeah, that too. She becomes the thing for Davis and TK to TK, TK doesn't even TK's just like, her. I got this. Yeah. Guys. Well, <laughs> it's debate. We'll talk about we'll talk about shipping in season two when we get to season two. I just felt like Sora had very little characterization. I was like, why are you even here except to be the thing that Ty needs to save? Ugh. I think that I mean I, want, I really want to see how this plays out <clears throat> when we get to the next arc after Ty comes back. But knowing what's going to happen with her um, isolating herself, wonder if it's not because of what happens in this, the end of this arc. Right. Um, that going through such a traumatic experience, she, you know, and, and being saved by everyone, she doesn't want to have to rely on people anymore. And wants to help uh, them. Instead. Yeah. Yeah. Typical. I can definitely see that. Yeah. The climax of this arc has to do with fear and overcoming that fear. And I want to talk about how kids would empathize with the characters um because i have the feeling and i don't remember what it was like as a kid thinking i don't remember what i thought or what my friends saw at the time but i had the impression a lot of people watching this would see ty's reaction at the end of the second last episode we watched the one where he realizes that he's mortal and is afraid of going through the firewall that they'd see that as being wimpy and they wouldn't be able to empathize with that they'd say ty being such a wimp just go through it and i think it represents a a flaw in cartoons that Another thing that systematically the same issue was at the beginning of this arc when they first land on server and they all jump off Waymon's back. Everyone does it fine, no problem. They just slide right off, bounce off, and land on the land that's like you know I don't know, like ten feet away, uh, and they they drop like twenty feet or something. And then Mimi's like, "I'm scared," and then it's kind of played for laughs that she's so sad that she's scared. When if you look at what's going on, like that's a pretty scary situation. Like yeah, if like. I don't know if anyone's been on like just getting on off a cruise ship. Like you look at the gap and you're like, that's pretty scary. Um, so just like falling off a curve back and then jumping to land 10 feet away. Like that's a pretty scary situation. And 
I, I understand it's not interesting to watch everyone be scared of that and then watch everyone overcome it individually. I didn't like that it was played for laughs that like, oh, Mimi's a scared one. Um, because it, it makes the audience not sympathize with that. And then when you get to something like Ty, I just feel like you need the audience to understand that like this is actually yeah. a big deal. Yeah, he almost died. <laughs> okay, I also have an issue with that because once he has the resolve and like comes over... Yeah, he has no one, no one to tell him where the hole in the thing is, and he just goes through. Right, he just walks in and is like, yeah. <laughs> they didn't have time to work that out, I guess. <laughs> it's just so frustrating because like, there's so much about... Oh, I meant to mention this earlier in the discussion of the arc as a whole, but why are they even in the desert? Like, Serve as a desert, I guess. It's not, though. No, like, episode one ends with... Not episode one, sorry. The, epi- the second episode of this arc ends with them being in a lush, foresty, mountainy area. And then the next episode starts in the middle of the desert. It's because deserts are easier to draw. <laughs> and I feel like they could have had like one offhand line about how the crests, or sorry, the tags were responding to the tag, the crest or something. Like they could like load a little bit to signify which way to go. And that would solve every problem. Like, yeah, they're going this way because they know the crests are in the desert. That, that would solve all my problems. Um, or it, like come back to the original thing. Like if Izzy had just said one line about like you know just go down the stairs and head straight. Like it's 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 directly adjacent to the stairs. Like you don't have to worry about like just go straight. And that would I guess the emotion is effectively conveyed. So what's the point of nitpicking it? But like if you look at um, the Digimon Wikipedia, sorry, the Digimon Wiki uh, has an article for every episode, and it's actually a pretty good article. Like they. They show the Digimon Analyzer for each episode. Like they redo it with all English text and like make gifs of all the the way that the char- way that the Digimon is portrayed in that episode. It's pretty cool. But they also have a section of all the inconsistencies and errors in the dubbing or the animation. And there are a ton. So I wonder if there's even any point in complaining about this. <laughs> uh, I mean, you can't change it. <laughs> so there's no point in, in that regard. Yeah, that's true. We cannot affect change. It's too late. Where that ship sailed about 15 years ago. And then it flew into a cactus? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh, God. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, I have nothing to say to that. But going back to to what you said about, about Ty and Mimi and it being a flaw in, in cartooning, I think Digimon is so popular because it... I think I, I was annoyed at Ty when I was a kid, but the image of Ty being afraid of that firewall stuck with me really hard. Or how long ago was this? T- uh, like 10, more than 10 years. Yeah, it was 15 years ago. Well, it was a little less than 15. But. And and it deals with with depression later on. It deals with with Sora not knowing what what her purpose is in the world. It deals with a lot of really scary, almost... I don't want to say they're grown-up themes, but they're themes that we tend to leave out of of kids' media. Yeah. And it's stuff they deal with. It's stuff we dealt with. It's stuff we still deal with as human beings. And I think it's really important that even if it, it did annoy us as kids, it's important that it was there so that we could see it. I don't feel like all children's stuff leaves out really dark things. I think the thing that also struck me about the differences between just anime and more American cartoons is that, you know, like, Standard American cartoons are very are much more episodic in that like there's a conflict within that episode and they resolve it. So for like one episode you're gonna feel depressed and that's supposed to be like the depressed episode, but then they resolve it. 
Whereas with anime, like this is a 52 episode show where each episode affects the next and so on. Mm-hmm. So it's like they can have long running, you know, themes throughout that go over episodes. So it feels more real, which is good, which is why I like anime. <laughs> well, some Western cartoons do that now too. Yeah, we grew up. <laughs> we learned. Yeah. Said the West learned. <laughs> I mean, some Western cartoons had that before too, but I, I each ones. Exactly. <laughs> I just feel like it's a thing, like, watching a PBS show. It's like, you're always going to have an episode where somebody's sad and blah, blah, blah. And it's <laughs> going to be resolved in 15 to half hour. 15 minutes to a half hour. So I definitely sympathized with Ty, but I definitely felt the funniness of Mimi. <laughs> yeah. I feel like the Mimi thing would have been resolved had, like, only one of, like, if there were two of them. Right, if it had been anyone else, Yeah. But no, it's Mimi, so you're like, it's ridiculous. Like, no, if two no. people, right, you're saying if two people did it. Yeah. That's what I mean. If anyone One else of them had could have also. Still been Mimi. Right. It would have still um, been funny if, if they it were Joe. Yeah, that's true. That's true. The thing is, like, I guess there are things that a show with more budget could do. Like, they could have shown her point of view or something, and it would have looked pretty scary. But they don't have the budget to do that. They don't even have the budget to animate the water in more than, like, three colors. <laughs> it's basically, like, three shapes that just move around. It's true. Although, in the budget's defense, I feel like the animation was much better on the whole in this arc than it was before. Really? Except for, like, one episode that was really bad. Yeah, there was one episode, episode where, was. like, all their eyes were really weird. Yes. Anybody else notice that? Yeah. Yes, I noticed that. I didn't notice that. I don't remember which episode it was. One of the it was. early episodes. It was really weird. But, like, then there were other weird. episodes where I was like, wow, the quality here is so much better than before. I don't know. I guess I'm not very good in general about detecting quality of animation. Um... But what I've noticed about this show in particular is that it seems like so much of what they can do is framed by... So much of what they show is framed by what they can do cheaply. Yes. Um, so many shots. Like, there, there's... Um, as the pyramids are collapsing, it's like they start to show explosions. And I'm like, whoa, they're going to show this collapsing. Well, that's that's pretty intense. And they zoom out and just so, like... They don't <laughs> ever show it actually collapsing. They just show, like, the, the wreckage from afar or something. Um, and I mean, I guess it's, you know... That's what a, a show should do well, to make you not notice the choices they had to make to do it with that budget. I was saying that the way that I noticed that they grow, that they grow as a team, since we talk about teamwork a lot, is that it felt like, you know, I mean, each of their Digimon had their own little episode where they learned Digivolve. It was always staggered. And then even for a little while after that, it was a lot of them, they'd meet a Digimon that threatened them, and then one of them would Digivolve. And then they'd realize quite a bit later that one of them wouldn't be sufficient. So then another one would Digivolve. And I just feel like now they're like, you know what? It's cool to gang up on Digimon that are more powerful than us. Let's just all Digivolve right away. <laughs> like, <laughs> yep. like admit, admit your weaknesses and come a gang. I mean, it was never... So, okay, so they definitely do it against Devimon. Well, that's just hopeless. <laughs> and between the first time Devimon appears and when they actually fight him again, they are always separated in just pairs. Um, they team up against Leomon before they fight Devimon. They, before they find Devimon the first time, they are still under the restrictions where they can only Digivolve once per day. So in each of those episodes, basically everyone who can Digivolve they, does. they're also just not as good at working together. Because, yeah. Because, um, I mean... Izzy and Mimi had their problems, and, uh... <laughs> There's some weird shipping going on with them. Matt and Ty had some problems. There is 
quite a large following for Mimi Izzy. Um, there was also a large following for Matt Mimi back in the day, just because everybody wanted Tyora, and Mimi yeah. was the other girl, and Matt's the other dude. So they just like, need, yeah. to, need to give her someone. Exactly. Oh, well, they need to God. give Matt someone. Right, that's what I, I think mean, yeah. was more yeah. of the idea. Guy always gets what he wants. What is Mimi and would it be? Ijo. Oh, what was the shipping name? Koshimi. Yeah, I think. Or Komi, I think it was. Uh, Komi. And Joe and Mimi was Jomi. Jomi? <laughs> Jomi just sounds so weird. Dub plays up Joe and Mimi. It is not, there's not as much. Uh, yeah, I thought it was, I thought it was really weird when they go off on their own and they come back with a baby, but I never really questioned it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that happens. <laughs> they do come back with an Ogremon. What? They go off on their own and they meet Ogremon. Is Ogremon their baby? Yeah. Ew. Something went wrong <laughs> genetically. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, so, teamwork. Yeah. In these episodes, there's never a situation where, like, how often do they even team? They always fight together when they're attacking a stronger Digimon. Or lots of them. I still think they stagger it, though. Stagger what? They stagger the Digivolutions. So? Yeah. Uh, What's the point? Tentomon didn't... There was a fight where Tentomon was still Tentomon, and he didn't join in until it was clear that um, whoever was fighting... There were two of them, and they were enough. And he was like, all right, I'll help. I think it was the uh, gray, the Skull Greymon episode, actually. Mm-hmm. I just feel like it's bad teamwork to like let your comrades get really beat up, and then be like, okay, maybe I'll help you now. <laughs> like... <laughs> Yeah, I guess it's a lot well, better to just start out. I guess it's just it's just anticlimactic, people. like to have a story where everyone just oh yeah, we're all powerful now. Let's just oh okay, we only one of you. Okay, well this was pointless. There's some situations where some Digimon have more of a, an advantage. I think. I mean, they, they're also food restrained. I feel bad. Yeah, I feel bad for Ikakuban fighting in the desert. <laughs> Although Gomon seems to find fish anywhere. So true. Yeah. There does need to be a water source, it seems. But uh, it no. be any water source. No, no, because no, in, in the Colosseum... It came out of a directly, fountain. There was no fountain. Yeah, they came out of it a fountain. Yeah, no, it was no, a fountain. It was a fountain, it, was, it just wasn't running. It was a statue, but there was no water in it. I think it was a fountain, because it had a spout. Right, but I, don't, yeah. I think it was supposed to be dry. Like, they directly addressed that Izzy's theory was he opened a wormhole to bring the water and fish. <laughs> I thought he brought the fish, but not the water. Whatever. <laughs> Came first, Devimon or the Black Gears? Black Gears did. <laughs> it's not an unanswered question if you answer it. <laughs> Other unanswered questions. Why doesn't Izzy do that teleporting trick ever again? Yeah. <laughs> Why? <laughs> that would have been so useful in every arc after this. <laughs> every single one. I guess they couldn't find it again. They didn't. Did he need to be in the cave for that? I, get, I got the impression it was another. It was a magical cave. They seem to find several different magical caves with different magical properties, and <laughs> I think this one had that property. Why does Izzy's computer suddenly work when before it didn't? I guess if that was a power source, he just charged it enough at that tree before. Yeah. How does Cockatreemon conceal himself as a human, and why doesn't he do that again? Why does he do it? For, why does he do it for only two seconds and only to the camera? Yeah. not to the kids. Like, why? Yeah, he doesn't even show himself <laughs> to the kids. And is his name is his name Cockatreemon or Cockatorymon? I have no idea. It's the same thing, basically. Well, no, but in so in the dub, his name is Cockatreemon, but the the Digimon analyst says Cockatorymon because that's how it's Romanized. I actually don't think there's that significant a difference. Oh yeah, it's not a huge difference, but it's still the wrong. They did the wrong thing. It's cl- yeah, it's clearly the wrong. Well, I think it's actually Kokatorimon. No, but everything else in the dub says Kakatrimon. Yeah. Yeah, it's a minor difference, but still frustrating. Um, 
You guys saw Skip to Head. Why does no, why does no one see how creepy the Pagumon are? And then Tentamon says they're more than meets the eye, but no one even looks their eyes to see how creepy their eyes are. They sing adorable songs. Can't judge a Digimon by their cover. They do yeah. sing adorable songs. Adorable creepy song. <laughs> why is the village built up like people live there if they're Pagumon? What? Like there was a multi-story tent. Like all the tents. And there were also super small tents. No, there were tents that were smaller than TK. Right, right. So there were tents that were for the Pagumon. And then there was this giant tent for the humans. Why'd they have that? Maybe maybe the Koromon were visited by larger Digimon. It's a guest house. My my biggest gripe, unanswered question, is at the end of that first, end of that second episode with they end up in the cave, they get the crest of courage, it brings them somewhere else far away, so they escape Edamon. Then they're in a forest with mountains I mentioned before, then the next episode there's in the desert. Also, when they're in the forest with the mountains, they're with a bunch of Koromon who have been displaced from their home forever. And the next episode there's <laughs> in the desert with no one. What happened to the Koromon? They ate them. <laughs> them. Another question I had was where do they get all the food for the rest of this, this arc? They ate the Koromon. Right. Yeah, obviously. The Koromon became fruit and vegetables. <laughs> <laughs> they, be, they digivolved into Palmon. They digivolved in the fruit and vegetables. Uh, Why do they run into the soccer goal to run away? The biggest question. <laughs> <laughs> and then how does the soccer goal, when it closes, it like folds over and then has another... Yeah, makes zero percent sense. <laughs> I want to make I to make a gif that's just like showing the animation of the thing closing and just be like, guys, there's a hole here. Just go. <laughs> <laughs> My biggest question is, why is there so much naked 10-year-old in this arc? Okay, they didn't actually show anything like they did in Japan for the last, for the Devimon arc. That's because none of the boys got naked. Right, so in the Devimon arc, they actually show the boys' butts in Japanese. Yes. Ooh. There's still a sexualization of 10-year-old girls that's going on. <sighs> is it really a sexualization or is it just like, they are bathing? Like, I, I didn't feel like- Why don't the guys ever bathe? But it was not presented like, oh, the girls are bathing, we're watching them bathe, like, ooh, it's so juicy, or that the guys were watching them bathe. Why was there so much focus on their clothes and, like, their clothes being discarded, yeah, and why were they putting towels for the rest of the uh, the story? I just... Yeah. And they did walk in on Mimi taking the bath at one time. It was definitely a really creepy, weird sexualization. Like, it wasn't sexy, but it was sexualized. Sure. Yeah. yeah, but actually, they walk in on Mimi and then are like, oh god, we need to get out, get out of here, because this is... Yeah, but that's always what happens. No, yeah. it's not. Like, no, like, wait, wait, why, why is... Why necessitate the vulnerability of women? Yeah. That's, like, always what happens in Hot Spring episodes in any anime. I don't know. I guess yeah. I just felt it was, like, they're in the desert. Um, they want to... I, yeah, I mean, it is a double standard that the girls want to relax by, you know, being bathed and the guys want to relax in other ways. But, Yeah. Double standards. Um, why did they? So when the when they first run to the ship, they run away perpendicularly because they're smart. And the second time they run away from the ship, they run straight ahead, <laughs> and they just happen to run into a cactus. So it doesn't end up mattering. I really don't know. I am seriously confused why the Digimon don't know that they can digivolve if they know all the other Digimon in the digital world, which they maybe they do. don't know about <laughs> levels as much. No, but they say fully evolved and things like that that imply they know the levels. Yeah, it makes no sense. Well, I think. I, this is stretching again, but maybe they don't know they can digivolve again so fast. They were in training Digimon like a week ago. True. Like normally, I'm, I imagine this process takes years. Except when it comes to the Digimon who die in season one and come back in season two as fully evolved. Right, because that makes no sense. But yeah. whatever. 
whatever. Um, oh, in the episode, I guess it's the one where Izzy tells everyone his revelation about Theta and not being real, but kind of being real. They talk about whether TK should brush his teeth or not anymore. And I'm like, were you brushing your... Do they have toothbrushes? Yeah, right? Yeah, do they have toothbrushes? Like, they make a joke about how, like, you should probably still brush your teeth. And he's like, ha ha. And like, you're in, the, you're in the middle of a desert. Like, you don't have toothbrushes or water to... <laughs> <laughs> or toothpaste. I think the water's the more important part yeah. here, but... Uh, you, you can make do without the toothpaste. Yeah. You can use sand. Ew. No. <laughs> no, you cannot use sand. <laughs> So ridiculous dialogue draft. Okay, so here's my first pick. Um, it's in the first episode we watched uh, while they're still on File Island. Um, and first of all, it makes no sense because they were with Leoman before, like, while the battle is happening or right before. And then afterwards, they're trying to figure out how to get in the water. And Leoman and a bunch of other Digimon show up and they're like, So I heard you were all going to serve her. How did you know? Oh, you know us monsters. We all love to gossip. <laughs> I was going to take so that one. Weird. All right. This is from episode 19, where Izzy's talking about um, his thing, his theory, and Matt says, Then how did we get here? Did we squeeze in through the floppy drive? I was like, oh my god, that is so dated. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, nobody even knows what floppy drives are anymore. (laughs) Floppy drives used to be awesome. Yeah. They could be different colors. I don't think anyone's going to pick this, but later on... um... I can't remember what the context was exactly, but they're like fighting, or they're near Datamon. I can't remember what they're doing, but someone mentions like if a CD drive was came optional. Oh, or something. yeah. I remember and I was that. like, we've aged, you know, this is before CD drives were standard. And I was well, actually, the point where, but then again, CD drives are optional again. Right. That's what I mean. So like it's gone from yeah. like they weren't present enough to be <laughs> too present to now they're not present. And right. <laughs> gone through so many cycles. Good Gosh. job, Digimon. Keeping it uh, relevant. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Ashley. My turn. Okay, I believe mine is from the same scene as Asher's, and Mimi says, And I still have to go to the little girl's room. You don't really. You just think you have to. Oh, well, I hope you're right, because... <laughs> you're right. I was like, oh, no. <laughs> 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 um. I kind of... I, I found that really funny, but I also wonder, like... Are they trying Mimi to be so stupid she doesn't know how to go to the bathroom effectively? Like, <laughs> like she peed her pants and then like forgot to like. <laughs> I don't think that was the problem. I think the problem was Izzy was talking too much. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was ridiculous. Yep. Okay, so my next one. I'm next, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this one is episode 16, when we score Greymon. Um, and after Edamon introduces the evil Greymon. Uh, it's still unclear how if he was controlling him or just had a barb thing around his neck. But anyway, he introduces the evil Greymon and then says, oh, I'm so evil. He does? Oh yeah, he does. <laughs> I really appreciate Edamon this time around. <laughs> He's great. Okay. Um, speaking of Edamon, I'm going to do one more from episode 19. And talking about the pyramid uh because ty just pulled a prank on him because ty thinks he's invincible at this point and edamon says you know i'm gonna have to have this place completely exterminated because something's starting to bug me i was like oh that's so deliciously bad (laughs) (laughs) i was gonna pick that one wait is is it funny because there's kabutarimon no, it's funny because exterminate no. and bug. Yeah, it's funny because it, it's also funny because the delivery was really bad. Because <laughs> he said because something's starting to bug me. 
<laughs> Why? Oh, Digimon writers, I adore you. <laughs> All right, Ashley. Okay, I guess this is from the first episode of this arc when Jedi starts talking to them again. They're like, hey, where were you? Or like, who are you? Why couldn't we do this before? And he says, But now the lines are clear and only 10 cents a minute. <laughs> that was so stupid. Yay! <laughs> That's also a data reference of paying by the minute for true. phone service. I don't know, that wasn't even referring Technology. to cell phones. It was referring to just like normal phone lines. Yeah, like pay phones, right? No, I don't think it was talking about pay phones. I think it was talking about like home phones. You set to pay by the minute. Or really? st- still do. Maybe I just haven't, had a, I just haven't had a home a landline. So. No, I don't think that's a thing. I don't think that's a thing. No, it totally... Pay for phone service. No, you totally do. Because like that's why it was a thing to have cheaper nights and weekends. That's a cell phone thing. No, it was yeah. it was a it was a landline thing too. Totally was. It was a thing before cell phones were that common. No. Yes. Jeff, Jeffrey's looking. Can you hear me typing? Yes, I can. Hear There's you a you had to pay more to do like long distance. Yeah, that's what I remember. That's a thing. Right, but it was like you would pay ten cents for long distance, five cents not long distance, or something like that. Like it was always the commercials would talk about the comparison, and you would have unlimited. Well, it's hard to look this up. <laughs> we just need to ask an old person. <laughs> Old people listening to this podcast, <laughs> can you please help us? <laughs> well, we can save the question for our next episode, which we should also be recording soon. I think one of us will remember to ask an old person. I won't. <laughs> By an old person, I mean I will ask my parents since I've been bugging them. Yes, please do that. Nineteen ninety four. What? Last week, I was writing a fanfic. Oh. It took place in 1994, and I was like, how do pagers work? Did people still wear mullets back then? The answer is yes. Well, my dad had a pager. So is it my turn? Uh, yes. yes. Okay, so mine is from... And I guess actually we actually discussed this in depth before. But it's from episode 15, when Mimi's getting off Waymon, and she's complaining that she doesn't want to jump off. What she says is... Oh, this is a little too extreme sports for me! <laughs> I love Mimi so much. Oh, my turn. Uh, this is from episode 20. Yes. And um, they're talking about Datamon's hiding place. And Izzy is like, He's found the perfect hiding place right under Edamon's nose. And Joe says, Not a bad place as long as he isn't sneezing. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> show is a literal masterpiece. Your turn, Ashley. I find one. Wait. Give me a second. <laughs> It's when they're walking through a desert in episode 17, in the very beginning, I guess. And Matt says, Man, this desert is so hot, even a lizard would need sunscreen. Oh, I had that one written down, too. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Also, this one is more of a stretch. But Ty says in episode 17, If only I hadn't acted like such a bonehead, you never would have digivolved. Because Skull Grave Oh, my God. Wow. Wow. <laughs> oh, God. This show is the best thing that ever happened to me <laughs> as a writer, as a person. My sense of humor is clearly flawless. This, this show in no way damaged my ability to, to appreciate fine humor. It taught you. It taught you many things. It taught me so many things. So you can find the show notes for this episode at poddigits.com slash four. We're at poddigits on Twitter, and I'm at JeffinitelyJeff, though I don't tweet about Digimon much. Um, you can send us feedback about the show at poddigits.gmail.com, or you can join discussion about the show on the Digimon subreddit or with the Well forum. Um, if you found us on the web and are listening on the site, you should subscribe to the show on iTunes or in any podcast app. Uh, next week, we'll be back to watch Coromon eat watermelon and Ty sit at home for half an hour. Bye. Bye. Peace out.
Oh, because women don't have names to you, huh? Huh? Is that why? So, crest time? Crest time. Okay. Crest time. I prefer Colgate, actually. Crest time, crest time, crest time, crest time, crest time. Server. We're on the continent of server. Ashley, do you, you know that button on the mic, that switch? Just the toggle it. Switch? Yeah, just toggle it. No. <laughs> Jeffrey, maybe I don't talk because you're so mean. I mean because you don't talk. No. I just realized if you were shipping, if you were shipping TK and Matt, the pairing name would be Takato. Ew. But no. <laughs> uh, hold on. There are dogs in my room. Let me let me deal with the dogs real quick. Ash, that's One terrible. Second. Don't kill them. Um, I guess <laughs> I have looked too much at Rapidmon's butt, apparently. <laughs> <laughs>